I never thought that a vegan meetup a week ago would inspire a meat eater like me to think much more critically about the COVID vaccine and our world. Join John, Nate, and me as we discuss our thoughts about the COVID vaccine and the George Floyd verdict. We also talk about what conservatives can do in the face of an overwhelming liberal wave. And I reveal to you my secret for winning elections, no matter what you believe politically. Recorded April 30th, 2021. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I, I, uh, I am doing fantastic, guys. So uh, thanks for uh, having us on the show again, uh, uh, James. And uh, Nate, thanks for uh, being on the show again as well. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, Nate, it's been uh, almost a year since we last talked. How are things up in Kern County? Yeah, we're trying to get back to normal as quick as we can. <laughs> yeah, is there is there a sense up there that everyone just wants to get back up to get back up to normal and uh, reopen it yeah. all? Yeah. Yeah, we, we we've been uh, trying to move that direction uh, as quick uh, for quite a while now. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of normal, um, you know, uh, last weekend uh, John and I went to a really interesting gathering. Um, a gathering of vegans, uh, which is totally out of character for us because, you know, we love meat. Uh, we were there to uh, meet one of John's friends and it was, it, uh, I, got, I found out later, it's a gathering of consciously minded people. Um, and when you meet these people, they, they look like your standard California liberal hippies. But in reality, these people are anti-vaxxers. And uh, it was really fascinating because, um, um, yeah, some of their views were extremely outlandish. Like uh, some, there were people that were questioning germ theory as a whole, virus theory. They were questioning, some of them were questioning whether COVID even exists. Um, you know, there was a woman trying to preach the gospel of uh, getting us to uh, turn in our masks to uh, sacrifice them for our betterment. Um, it, it, was, it was really interesting. And, you know, I, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, um, I'm, I, yes, I agree uh, that viruses and germs and, and infectants exist. Uh, so I'm not gonna go that far. Um, I'm not vegan either, um, but uh, <laughs> it got me, you know, really, really thinking um, more critically. I, it, it's, it got me to start thinking much more critically about, you know, COVID and the pandemic and the vaccine again. Um, and, uh, Nate, what vaccine thoughts? Hey, if uh, if you want to get the vaccine, it's available. If you don't want to get it, I mean that should be up to you. To uh, we all have to make uh, risks uh, on our daily lives, and this is just yet another one of those risks. I mean, we're trying to act like this is something that is uh, unique in all of history. And perhaps it is the way that the, we've reacted to it as a country and as a, uh, every country on earth for that matter. But the, uh, the fact of the matter is you have the vaccine for those who need it. Some people don't need it because they've already caught the uh, virus and have made it through. And so at some point we have, to go back to uh, to normal. Are you so? Are you vaccine? Have you received it? Are you in the front of the line? Are you getting it soon, or are you more toward the back of the line? 
Uh, I'm towards the back of the line. I think I've already uh, caught the COVID already, so I don't feel any uh, pressing need to uh, get to get the vaccine at this point. How about you, John? Oh, I, I, I'm vaccinated. I, I got, I, I kind of cut in front of the line a little bit. I got uh, some inside hookups. So that was really cool. I, uh, I, I was being told by uh, some Christian folks that uh, it was the mark of the beast because it had uh, fetal tissue in there. And, and then there were some uh, people saying that uh, the vegans were saying uh, there's a lot of animal tissue in, 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 in the vaccine. And and it's not vegan. And so I was hit all over the place uh, about the taking the vaccine. Um, but uh, my family members, we kind of all agreed that we would all go ahead and take it because we didn't see too much harm for it. So I, I didn't uh, take a conspiracy point of view on it at all. I just went on to the websites. I went to uh, each company's website and looked into the vaccine and I looked at the mechanisms and I was a bio major. So I was able to kind of look at evidentiary, like how it was. And it's, and I went onto the FDA websites and it seemed like it was pretty efficient, pretty safe. So I took it from that point of view, not, not from a religious or conspiracy point of view. So John, you you and your family made the calculation and determined that the benefits outweigh the costs and the benefits, uh, uh, the, 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 the safety risk or lack thereof is worth, was worth it to you guys. Yeah. Uh, it was very, a soft approach. We, we, we researched thoroughly and then we watched people around us taking it first, like our parents and, and older people taking it and seeing how they reacted. None of them died. None of them had any issues. And then, uh, when it was our turn, uh, we decided to take it. So that, that was it. So, uh, Nate was, uh, do you uh, have you heard the theories of it being the mark of the beast and all that? And what are your thoughts on that from like, coming from like a Christian point of view? I've heard a whole gamut of theories. Uh, the mark of the beast thing is a little bit silly to me because that uh, only comes up when there's a specific beast to uh, receive the mark of. So uh, unless and until we see this. Uh, <laughs> This character that meets these definitions and descriptions is given in the Bible. Uh, there really is no need to uh, to dwell too much on uh, that or speculate too much about what it is. I mean, I have theories of what that would ultimately be, but it, nothing has to do with this vaccine. We're not there uh, yet. Nate, what, what no. is your calculation uh, in terms of benefit versus uh, risk to you? Uh, to be honest, I, I'm not in the risk category for the people that are uh, typically going to be uh, succumb to uh, this type of virus. Um, young, I'm generally healthy. Um, that's that's pretty much what, what my uh, calculation is. I, I don't typically get flu vaccine every year. Um, I know people that do. I know people in my family who got this vaccine. It's just, I don't see any need for it for myself. Yeah. James, you gotta remember that Nate is uh, on a last show he was uh, at the at the Vegas shooting. If bullets aren't taking this guy down, a virus is not taking <laughs> this guy down, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, well, definitely, uh, you're you're a strong guy uh, and a brave guy. Um, but uh, you know, I wanted to um, uh, share some of the stuff I read because uh, the more I that I read about this, um, the the more my heart burns. Um, it it it's starting to upset me a little bit. 
and, and I'm hoping that, you know, this is all just one big conspiracy theory and that we'll all be all right. I imagine most people that get the vaccine are going to turn out all right. However, most people that get COVID also turn out all right, but that doesn't mean COVID deaths aren't happening. Uh, they are happening out there. And it doesn't mean that adverse reactions to the vaccine aren't happening just because you don't know anybody who's had one. Those are happening too. Well, if you, you look at the statistics put by the uh, CDC that, uh, right now, you'll notice uh, an interesting phenomenon. It seems that the COVID is now reducing the number of deaths uh, as we typically see year to year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, perhaps that's a cynical way of looking at it, but uh, I mean, last year we did see a number of people succumb to the to uh, COVID, and a lot of them were people that were elderly or had other uh, diseases that they were already dealing with. So, in, in one sense, uh, they they've succumbed a little bit earlier than they otherwise would have. But we're, right now, we're seeing a, a much reduced number of deaths uh, compared to. Uh, previous year, non-COVID years. So it all seems to kind of balance it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm looking at the, you know, since going to that vegan conscious thinking meetup, I, I stumbled onto uh, the website for America's Frontline Doctors. Um, and it's run by a doctor named uh, Simone Gold, uh, who is a leading voice uh, of skepticism about this whole uh, COVID pandemic and vaccine thing. And, you know, if you wanna destroy her, that's fine. If you want to destroy her organization as a bunch of falsehood uh, and fake news, you can do that. But before we do that, I just wanna share some of the stuff that, that I have read. Um, my number one, um, the thing for me that makes me uh, not rush to the front of the line uh, with the vaccine. Um, you know, my, 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 what I tell people publicly is that I'm waiting for FDA approval. Um, so I'm not exactly rushing to the front of the line to get the vaccine. I imagine I'll get it eventually, but uh, I'm not in a rush to get it. And the thing that makes me hesitate about it is that this is still completely in the experimental stage. This is experimental. That's the key word here. Um, it is these these vaccines have been given emergency use authorization, which is a far cry from full FDA approval. Full FDA approval, I imagine, will take years um, um, and of, um, of uh, testing and data and uh, to see the long-term effects. We need at least five years um, to figure out, to have any data uh, on what the long-term effects are. And, and that's, that's my hesitancy. But it goes further than that uh, when we realize that um, um, other things about uh, this, um, not, you know, not only is it a new technology, but uh, no animal studies have been done on this. Uh, and uh, pre previous attempts to create a vaccine for coronaviruses, remember, this is not the first coronavirus ever. We've had, we have SARS and, you know, the cold and the flu are also coronaviruses. Previous attempts to vaccinate the coronavirus have failed. When they, when they do animal studies and then they leave those animals in the wild, it turns out that um, some of these animals receive a, uh, an elevated response because not only do you have uh, the vaccine material, but then once you're infected after you get the vaccine material, it, there's a danger of an elevated response. There's also the danger of crossing the blood-brain barrier. Um, so if the vaccine uh, material uh, goes into your spine and brain, which uh, other typical other vaccines don't, then 
the the consequences of that have not been shown, and and um, it goes even further than that. The effects on pregnancy have not been fully investigated. Usually, when we release a drug, um, that is a whole the effects on pregnancy. That's a whole continent. Uh, of issues that need to be explored, and oftentimes they are not explored. You read the you read the instruction manual for a prescription drug. A lot of times they say the effects on pregnancy have not been fully determined. That's because this is a whole continent of issues that need to be explored. And um, I know there's a conspiracy theory about how this protein is the same as one that's uh, produced by the placenta and may attack the placenta or whatnot. I don't know if that's true. What I do know is that when you look at the news, there are, there are now increased reports of women reporting increased menstrual bleeding. There are increased reports of women reporting miscarriages. Um, so for example, when we uh, go into uh, LifeSite News, for example, in the United Kingdom, the Yellow Card Adverse Event Reporting System, which is their version of uh, the U.S. VAERS system, they reported 2,233 reports of reproductive and breast disorders after the, after the vaccine. Uh, these reports include uterine bleeding, breast pain, swelling, absence delayed menstruation, heavy menstrual bleeding, hemorrhaging, genital swelling. And there, there are even uh, some uh, uh, men that have report, reported uh, problems with uh, uh, testicular pain and erectile dysfunction as well. This is not a far-fetched theory anymore. This is a discussion that, that uh, is increasingly appearing in, in our news and it appears on Google. This has now become a women's issue. There are reports of women um, reporting miscarriages uh, after receiving the vaccine. Granted, causation has probably not been proven, but what we, what we, there, are, there are CDC data now suggesting that there are 6,000%, 60 times more deaths reported following vaccination in the US in 2021 compared to 2020. Granted, last year the, the COVID vaccine wasn't out yet, but to me, that's an indicator of what the COVID vaccine is doing when we see that there are 60 times more deaths following any type of vaccination in the US compared uh, in 2021 compared to 2020. Guys, are these uh, conspiracy theories that uh, we can simply ignore. Am I being upset over nothing? Um, are these issues that need to be further investigated? Because the more and more I think about this, the, the more it upsets me that in our desperation to go back to normal, we are rushing this vaccine that, that uh, has not basically not been fully researched. And not only that, it's effectiveness in, I'm also hearing, I'm also reading that it's effectiveness in Preventing transmission, which is basically the main point of a vaccine, is to prevent transmission. I'm I'm hearing that its effect on preventing transmission is is uh, uh, not even um, that spectacular. So, thoughts, anyone, before I get canceled? Because I don't want to say too much more about this, so, because then I'll get canceled. So, uh, thoughts, anyone? Nate, won't you go first, man? <laughs> Well, I mean, these these are all uh, certainly uh, concerns and uh, valid ones at that. I mean, there there's I know a lot of people who uh, have to be careful with any medication that they take because 
if there is a uh, some sort of obscure or very few people uh, get type of a uh, side effect, uh, these people I know will uh, seem to get that every single time they take uh, medications or whatever that may happen to be. Um, I think that if you look at the data in uh, Israel, if I'm not mistaken, it looks like they've stopped even their uh, ongoing infections after getting a uh, very large percentage of their population uh, immunized. So, I mean, it, there may be some uh, workings on this. Yes, I know that there's only six months worth of data. So that's We don't have very much time that we've actually tested this. So time will tell to see what will happen after here. I'm not really concerned so much about the fact that it hasn't gone through the full FDA trials. I've thought for a long time that some of those trials go on a little bit too long and stop people from being able to have access to new medications just because, well, we haven't tested every nip and cranny on this instead of saying, well, let's let people who are uh, suffering from this disease or that uh, get access to this early and see how they treat it and just expand the uh, study base. So uh, there may be some validity to uh, what you're saying. Uh, There likely is, but that's not what's uh, entering my mind as far as the consideration whether to get this or not. John, tell me this is all a stupid conspiracy theory. Tell me I'm stupid. (laughs) No, 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 man. Not at all, but I, I think you ask uh, uh, very pointed questions and uh, I have some of my own too. Like for example, how come no one's done a serology test uh, after uh, getting a vaccine to see if there's any uh, antibodies or proteins in the body that, that the mRNA uh, had promised to be in the body, right? I don't see any tests of that. So it seems to me that this is just one giant placebo that, that's going on. Uh, without any uh, uh, test to show whether whether there was a successful transmission and a successful creation of these proteins in your body. And that's nowhere to be found. You could search it all you want on the internet. You're not going to find it. Uh, that's so, John, would you one. say that this means that the CDC's recommendations that even the vaccinated should remain uh, socially distanced and uh, masked, does that suggest that the CDC agrees with this position, that they don't know what the uh, effectiveness of this and they're not willing to tell people to go back to normal yet because of that uncertainty? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that statement. It's very strong circumstantial evidence, right? Um, these are things that I think anybody would want to know, right? Okay, that's great. You created a vaccine and you and 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 this mRNA is supposed to create these spike proteins that the body recognizes and creates the antigens. Okay, so where are the antigens? Where are the spike proteins? Why isn't anyone asking these questions and why is it not being released? Above uh, the other... Uh, because I, I feel statistically you can pretty much create your own statistic to say that this happened. So if, if a, someone took the vaccine and they have more bleeding in their menstrual cycle, I wonder if you ask the same, if you answer that statistically, would that be any different than if you took, what's the likelihood of you taking the vaccine and then you going out and buying a black shoe, right? Like I, 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 I I don't know. Like to me, statistics aren't really uh, hard scientific evidence. It's just uh, right. we haven't proved cause. We haven't proved causation. You're saying exactly. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. So I I I highly doubt a lot of stuff that's going on, and I don't think people are asking the right questions. And I think the people that 
no to ask the right questions aren't asking them. And then it goes to the question of why that's happening. And if you you try to answer why, then, then you go into these wild conspiracy theories. So it's like, how do you how do you how are you going to be taken seriously? And and that leads to being canceled, uh, uh, James. And and uh, I, James, I don't think you were had a conversation with Johnny, the guy that put on the event at the consciousness event, but he's a big social media guy and he posted some anti-vaccine stuff. And uh, uh, this social media company, which is a major one, just think about which the major ones are, okay? They basically sent them a message saying that if he would have put any more anti-vaccine uh, 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 post up, that his uh, account would be taken down. And, and this guy makes a living from his social media. That's actually how he makes all his money. So he told me that he actually uh, listened to them and took those posts down, okay? Because he couldn't, even though he truly believes it, he couldn't jeopardize his, his, uh, his way of making money. So I, my question is, is like, why would these social media companies care about what he posts? I mean, that if, if, if you're supposed to just get a bunch of likes and a bunch of followers, right, then who cares what it is? But that's not what it is, right? There's something behind it that is controlling that. Yeah, it's just a shame that, you know, I thought science was supposed to be this system where, you know, we are allowed to uh, ask uh, all kinds of questions to one another. And, um, you know, create all kinds of debate and pose all kinds of theories and, and test them all and make it a, a fun process of, you know, seeing which ones stick or not. But I, I never, never in my study of the sciences thought that there would be like this religious orthodoxy uh, that would come out of it where in which you, if you don't um, follow what the orthodoxy says, then uh, you are basically excommunicated. Yeah, no, it's, that's, it's, that's not it's not exactly a new uh, phenomenon. I mean, the, the scientists uh, have been very reluctant to accept a variety of your uh, ideas that uh, we now accept as common knowledge. Uh, just looking back over the last two, three hundred years, uh, some some people, some scientists were uh, very so reluctant to uh, pub to even talk about some of the stuff uh, in public at the time that it wasn't really until well after their death that people uh, were looking at their papers and deciding hey this I might have something uh, to, uh, going here and let's look into it so it's it's just like any area the people that uh, are scientists they get set in their ways and think that well we have the absolute uh, truth and we are not willing to entertain any uh, possible idea that we might be wrong because that might mean we have to adjust some other uh, beliefs of ours. James, everything, I, I came to a new realization after this past year, man, after 2020. My, my instant reaction to everything right now is it's bullshit, right? <laughs> let's, just start, let's just start with it's bullshit and then let's prove its way out into what the truth is, right? So if, 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 if there's a presentation made, I don't care what it is, uh, it's BS because I don't care if it's science, if there's statistics to, to back it up, uh, if there's uh, the greatest newspaper clippings, news press releases, whatever, it just makes me even more skeptical that it's full of shit. And, and, and I'm forced into this because there's just so much misinformation out there. 
and what's went on with 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 society right now how we're being controlled uh our news feeds on youtube or whatever we're watching there's just so many effects that you have to be skeptical of the world that that we perceive now right and without doing so without doing so there's a high propensity now for us because there's a mechanism in place for us now to be a bunch of sheep being led to the slaughter now right like we that's how controlled our lives are these days yeah yeah and you know definitely you know let's talk about that you know as as we go on but i just want to um bring up a few more points before we move on to george floyd um you know ever since the pandemic started i knew i knew this was not going to be a perfect quarantine uh you don't have to be a scientist to uh, understand that these masks are not airtight. Uh, so, you know, the air is always going to go out on this, on this side. <laughs> the wind is always blowing. The, the virus has reached Antarctica. Um, and, and recently there was an MIT study that questions the six foot rule, you know, and, and one of the reasons was because the air goes out the side of your mask. So it's not really so much about how many feet you are apart from your neighbor. It's more about ventilation and and how much time you are spending together in an enclosed space that determines uh, uh, how easily you get infected. Um, that and the fact that the mask, uh, the, the, the holes in the mask, unless you have some of the best uh, high-end uh, medical grade masks, the, the holes in them are hundreds of times bigger than the size of the virus or the COVID virus itself. And not only that, you know, during the beginning, people were talking about breathable masks so that they can go running with their mask on. You don't have to be a scientist to realize the more breathable a mask is, the less pr protective it is. I mean, so that defeats the entire purpose of this whole thing. Uh, anyways, um, HC well, the, 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 guys, about the, the, the size of the holes, okay? So I, I believe that the virus is not only just carried by itself but it's usually carried on saliva or or mucus of some type and so at least it blocks that now whether or not it travels on its own i i have i don't know but if if it was a piece of saliva i mean obviously the mask would be able to stop that right so i don't know both sides mm -hmm. of the story i guess yeah um hcq hydroxychloroquine that's become a bad word um but uh, you look at the map of deaths, uh, the death rate uh, from COVID, uh, and Africa has been spared. Um, you would think that they would have had it the worst, like by far the worst, but no, their death rate is uh, much lower than uh, North America and Western Europe. Africa is also the place where people are using hydroxychloroquine regularly as a prophylactic for malaria. Thoughts? Yeah, and then the president of Madagascar, right? I don't know if you guys remember this, but he was saying that there's this route that they took for malaria that they would turn into a beverage. And uh, the he was accusing the Western world of not taking them seriously because it was a holistic uh african uh, uh uh remedy drink remedy right and so he was saying that they weren't taking it seriously but i mean it's it seems to me that madagascar got spared as well so i there's a lot of uh things going on out there that we should be definitely looking into uh i know i knew doctors over here that were prescribing hydroxychloroquine to uh covid patients and they fared well 
right? So uh, either both sides of stories again, but I, I don't know why there's such a drive of, of not looking into things, right? We should be looking into things. Well, the, the simple uh, answer to that is that it was promoted and uh, recommended by President Trump. So anything that he uh, promoted must obviously be vilified and must be uh, distanced from. I mean, that, that's, that's what it came down to. Which is ironic because President Trump was also the one that uh, accelerated the timeline for uh, these vaccines to be released, although it's uh, President Biden now that's uh, stepping in toward the end and claiming the credit for it. Uh, how, 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 do you, uh, how do you calculate that, Nate? No, he's, he's acting like he was the uh, one that uh, did everything from start to finish for uh, accelerating the uh, getting the early approvals, the emergency approvals, things like that. So it it's all to, uh, designed to just take credit for something that somebody else who has uh, obviously been made the villain, uh, good for good, bad or ugly. Yeah. You know, uh, I want to leave this topic by saying this has now become a women's issue. Um, with many women uh, claiming uh, menstrual problems and pregnancy problems with the total lack of data as to, as to the effect of this vaccine on pregnancy and the fetus. Uh, this has become a women's issue now, and we can't just simply ignore it and insist that the vaccine is completely safe and insist that women uh, take it anymore. Uh, we, this needs to be investigated. Um, also, there's a long history of testing vaccines on minorities and minorities getting uh, the brunt of it. Um, and now there's special effort to uh, increase access of the COVID vaccine to minorities. Uh, we, need, we need to uh, come up with um, policies that um, are fair uh, to minorities and actually help uh, minorities, um, you know, otherwise, uh, this whole discussion on, you know, George Floyd and systemic racism is once again leading to ideas that do not really help minorities. Well, Nate, as a white man, how do you feel about that? <laughs> oh, frankly, I don't know what systemic racism even means. It, it seems one of those uh, made up words that is designed to uh, Act like okay, this is this is the direction that we need to go, even though it's undefined, ill-defined, and just uses a battering ram over anybody who might have a different opinion. So maybe that's a good segue to George Floyd. Um, well, Derek, Derek Chauvin, the officer, he was found guilty on everything. Um, mm -hmm. uh, reading the reading the uh, the test, not the testimony, the article, uh, the quotations from the alternate juror. Uh, they basically decided everything within 30 minutes, which is extremely quick uh, for a murder case. Uh, so that means they, they're, you know, that, that basically means that they knew he was guilty uh, and that they were just, uh, there, were, there was a holdout that wanted to, um, there was a holdout that wanted to uh, take his time and uh, really make sure that he was following all the jury instructions. Um, so they spent a little longer time than they, they wanted to, but basically it seemed like they knew he was guilty from the, from the very start. Um, my thoughts on this are um, proving trial is a risk. You know, we're, the three of us, were all lawyers. We've all um, tried cases and trial is always a risk because 
as much as you are in love with your case and as strong as you believe your case is, you have no idea what side of the bed the jurors woke up on. You have no idea what the jury had for breakfast that morning. Uh, you have no idea what little tidbit of evidence the jurors are gonna hang their hats on and then magnify in their mind to come up with um, their decision. I've had cases where I've tried to prove as a prosecutor uh, where I thought the guy was guilty, but simply because little tidbits of the police report weren't perfect enough for the jury, they hung their hats on it and voted not guilty. So um, the, the prosecution should be thankful. Uh, they worked hard uh, and they should be thankful for the guilty verdict because it's not easy to prove any crime beyond a reasonable doubt. You can always come up with defenses. Um, if, if you think a case is defenseless, you're not thinking hard enough. Um, in the Derek Chauvin trial, there were many defenses. Uh, there was the issue of his um, artery and lung condition due to the fentanyl. Uh, so we, we don't know um, um, how strong his, uh, his, uh, um, his lungs were, um, and maybe it was his condition that caused him to die rather than the force of the officer. Intent was at issue. I don't think cops go out there thinking, ooh, I wanna kill somebody today. So criminal intent in itself, which is element number one of a crime, um, that was at issue. Uh, so there was a lot uh, for the defense to uh, uh, present as reasonable doubt for the jury. Um, the, the jury made the decision it did. Uh, the, the prosecution should be thankful. But what all that said, the, as lawyers, I think the thing that upsets us as lawyers and is, is this possibility of, of mob rule and jurors being influenced by people like Maxine Waters, uh, who are saying if basically if you don't vote guilty, then let's, uh, let's get more violent and raise our voices more and protest harder. Um, um, the, the, and also uh, Joe Biden, you know, saying that uh, I, I hope for a guilty verdict. So this, this idea of um, um, the mob uh, influencing jurors, uh, this idea of the executive branch uh, stepping on the toes of the judicial branch is inappropriate. I mean, what's the point of what's the point of lawyers? What's the point of courtrooms? It's this this system was invented to provide a a civilized manner of resolving cases. We go to the court we go to the courtroom. We are advocating the best we can for our clients so that the jurors can come up with a with a calm, educated decision that's based on the evidence presented, not be influenced by outside forces. So if we can't even have uh, good juries, then, and if we can't even have good juries, then what's the point of having courtrooms? What's the point of having uh, this judicial system? What's the point of having lawyers? Our work is rendered pretty useless. And, you know, as, as, as uh, Christians, you know, as people who believe in that Jesus is Lord, well, I've said this before, if you, if, if you're a Christian, then, you know, what's the most uh, unfair court case of all? Well, it's the case of Jesus, because in the case of Jesus, the prosecutor Pontius Pilate knew that he was not guilty, but why, why was he found guilty? Well, because the mob demanded that he be punished. So, the idea of um, the mob, the crowd influencing juries is really um, alarming to me. 
Any thoughts? Now, you know, Brad, I, I, before, we, before we start, I, I just want to say, is the verdict within, don't get me wrong, is the verdict within reason? Is the verdict supported by the evidence presented? Yes, I do believe that it's within reason. We're talking about a, a separate issue here, which is the mob influencing the jury. Thoughts? Uh, James, I, I would hate to be the attorney in that case because I think that they would have lost it that voir dire, right? Like as soon as you select, uh, there's just no way for you to select a neutral and biased uh, set of uh, peers, right? <laughs> On this case. So I, I, I believe the guy was already crucified before walking in, whether he was guilty or not, he, he was, he was going to go to jail for, for murder, for sure. And I, I don't think that there was any way, though, that we could make it a fair trial for him. But can we make the fairest trial for him, right? Like, is there, is there, did we, did the best that we could to give him a fair trial as, as a government, okay? And I, I think we did, I think we did. Now, with the other executive members and legislative members jumping in and basically calling the shots on the judicial system, well, good thing uh, 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 we have, uh, the court system has the, the right of judicial review. So whatever they say doesn't really matter, okay? But yes, he, he was, uh, it, there was no way for the jurors to be neutral in this case. So he, was pretty much a dead man walking in there. Whether that's fair or not, um, well, uh, trial by jury is an objective stance. He had to be proven beyond the shadow of a doubt. And that's, that is evidenced by unanimous vote, right? So I, I believe that uh, what he got was as fair as possible to him. But was it, was it completely fair? I think that's impossible. Nate, I think we, uh... We sacrificed uh, Derek Chauvin so that uh, we can uh, spare some riots, huh? No, not necessarily. I, I wasn't expecting him to be uh, found guilty of uh, second-degree murder, but I, I did expect him to at least get the, uh, the manslaughter charge because it, it did seem that he was not acting in accordance with his own training in the way that he should have gone. I, I ultimately think that uh, the decision the decision that was on the verdict that was rendered was just. I just think that the whole thing was tainted by the fact that we had Maxine Waters, we had President Biden, we had others trying to uh, desperately to uh, prejudge the case out in public and rile up everybody and say, hey, if this doesn't go this exact specific way that uh, you have the right to uh, throw a fit, burn down the city, what have you. Uh, yes, this is going to be challenged and could, as the judge pointed out, uh, could be overturned or uh, reduced the sentence on appeal. So that, that's, that is uh, unfortunate that it would even have uh, that option was being given to, uh, to this uh, guy, given the fact that it did look like he was guilty of at least the, uh, the manslaughter charge. The problem that I see with this whole case is the fact that there are so many people who are saying that, uh, yes, he, he was found guilty, but this is not enough, and, which suggests that there was no justice done. The question is, well, what more needs to be done here? He was arrested for, the, uh, for this guy's death. He was put on trial. 
He was uh, convicted beyond the shadow of the doubt by 12 jurors on all three separate charges. And he's going to be uh, sentenced appropriately, and he's going to be spending quite some time uh, behind bars uh, serving for the, uh, the crime that he was convicted of. Uh, we can't torture him. Uh, that's not allowed in our system. Uh, we can't uh, embarrass him in public, or at least not more than already has been done with through the media and through uh, the comments from just about everybody all across the board. Uh, we, we can't do... Uh, we can't punish other people for the things that this guy did. I mean, it was uh, Derek Chauvin's actions alone that uh, led to the death. So I, I don't understand what they, what all the calls saying that there needs to be something more of that this is not enough. Because as far as I can see with everything that we've seen in this entire trial process, the system worked as it was designed to, and this man is now being punished for causing the deaths that he caused. You know, you know, but for the uh, for the BLM crowd, um, a little bit of uh, tainting the jury doesn't matter, does it? Because uh, who cares about the rules of this system? Who cares about the rules of our judicial system when they believe the whole judicial system, the whole law enforcement system is all flawed uh, and that uh, we need to uh, tear this whole thing down. Well, again, like I said, it, from what, uh, as a lawyer looking at this whole situation, it looks like the system worked as it was designed to. This man was arrested, put on trial, convicted, and is going to be sentenced for the wrong actions, the criminal actions that he did. If, if these people are being the BLM types or anybody else are being stirred up uh, by being repeatedly told by people that know, or should know better that this isn't justice and that this hasn't gone far enough and far more needs to be done, I mean, is there any way to, uh, to convince these people that the system worked? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's uh, turn to... Um... Joe Biden in the next four years, um, and you know uh, uh, how uh, or what the best uh, response is, you know, going forward for um, conservatives. Um, you know, it, it Nate, it just seems like there is this overwhelming uh, liberal wave. Uh, we got the scientific orthodoxy combined with the academic orthodoxy, the media orthodoxy, the social media orthodoxy. We got corporations, you know, including uh, uh, sports leagues that are in on this. Uh, we got entertainment in on this, uh, and we got K to twelve school systems um, in with the left. It just seems like there's this overwhelming leftist wave um, that just might be poised to succeed. Uh, we got Biden who uh, wants to pass uh, election reform. Uh, making it uh, illegal for any state to uh, check ID before voting. Uh, his spending, um, his spending bills, which uh, are borrowing from Bernie Sanders and including free college as part of uh, his infrastructure plan. Uh, his uh, softer stance on the border, which, uh, let's face it, there's, it's not really about morality. It's really about um, increasing the Democrat vote. Um, and there is uh, making DC a state, uh, which uh, 
is not really about anything except uh, adding two more senators uh, to the Senate so that uh, the Democrats can solidify their stance. Um, where does the GOP go from here? Uh, is, it, is it as simple as Donald Trump running again? Um, the thing about, you know, the thing about Donald Trump, uh, you know, th there's, there's this Trump paradox, you know, as, as, as racist and sexist as the left accuses him of being, we forget that Donald Trump has attracted more minority voters than any GOP candidate. Um, and as much as people want Donald Trump to act more like Mike Pence, well, there's no way Mike Pence would have got the minority uh, vote that Trump did. Mike Pence is way too much the, the old white boys network. Um, so ironically, you know, Trump attracted different people by being different. On the other hand, wow, um, <laughs> should we go over the litany of, uh, of uh, why people don't like Trump? You know, all the, uh, all the, the verbal abuse of uh, other politicians and opponents in the media. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, think, I think it's not so much that he, he, uh, that he has moral failings because they all do. I think where Trump is different is that he's not repentant. Uh, he's gonna double down on, on these uh, aggressive, uh, critical, um, speaking his mind, speaking off the cuff techniques that uh, are quite cringeworthy. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really want another four years of, oh my gosh, I hope he didn't say something stupid again, you know, on Twitter. Um, and then there's the issue of the Christian church. Where does the Christian church fall, fall into this? But anyway, before we get into the Christian church, how does the GOP respond? Is it as simple as Trump running again? Well, no, I don't know if uh, Trump will run again or not, uh, but certainly he will be the kingmaker for whoever does uh, end up uh, running and uh, potentially winning the, uh, the Republican nomination and eventually the presidency. Now, I think that Trump, by being Trump, uh, made or exposed a lot of the thinking on the left in the fact that he wouldn't back down instead of rolling over as a lot of the leftists expect uh, any good Republican to do and just roll over and accept whatever the uh, unfair criticism and uh, make, you know, make apologies, make uh, kowtow before on things of that sort. I mean, now we have a president who, for all intents and purposes, is nothing but a hologram. Uh, it seems like he has a lot of handlers. He doesn't make himself available to the media. He uh, seems to be kept on a very uh, tight leash, uh, kept to a script, doesn't make a lot of appearances, and other people are running things for, on, in his name. Uh, I don't think that that's uh, a better situation to be in than to have somebody who is in charge, just happens to be a, a little bit uh, unguarded with some of the things that he says. Do you guys think that we are entering an age of liberalism? Well, the uh, House uh, lost, what, 12 seats to Republicans this uh, last uh, election. And uh, I expect that next year, they're probably going to lose a heck of a lot more. Uh, if you looked at the uh, 
the uh, State of the Union or whatever you want to call it that uh, Biden did this week. It was one of the most boring, one of the least watched uh, uh, State of the Union addresses in modern history, and one of the most radical as far as all of the uh, crap that is being proposed and being pushed. So I, I think that a lot of the uh, the grab bag of uh, leftist ideas that are being pushed and are going to be rammed down the throats of the uh, American public is not something that is uh, even popular or uh, well advised by their own base, but they feel like, well, we got a, the slightest margin majority. Uh, we might as well use this power effectively and get everything that we want while we have the chance. And I, I don't, so fortunately, I don't see many Republicans offering much in the way of an opposition. Heck, they're uh, even a point, uh, allowing the approval of a bunch of uh, people nominated to the cabinet who really should not have been given anything close to power and should have been rejected offhand and, and forced the president to pick somebody else just by the, uh, what we know about them and the things that they've done when they were last in government. You know, the thing is, you know, why has the BLM crowd uh, gained so much prominence? Um, and I think we have a unique storm here. We have a combination of young people who, despite their best efforts studying, cannot get the jobs they want, no matter how hard they work. There's this sense that no matter how hard you work, you're not making enough money that you need to, for example, buy a home or invest it and become uh, financially independent and successful. Uh, uh, there's there's also uh, increased urbanization. Um, you know, you know. I was just you know I was in New York. I was in New York City a few weeks ago, and you know it's really interesting because in New York there's this mentality that I sense this mentality that in New York everybody we're all in this big cruise ship together. Uh, it's not like California where it's everybody for himself. Uh, if this were Cal in California, you'd have uh, people uh, speeding down Fifth Avenue, but nobody does that in New York, even if they have an opening. There's, there's, there's just, <laughs> With the amount of people, is there any room to speed down Fifth Avenue? <laughs> there sometimes is. There, there sometimes is now, especially as as parts that used to have teeming with people are now empty. Uh, but even then, uh, nobody is speeding down uh, Fifth Avenue, and that's because there's a sense that we're all in this big boat together. We're all following these norms. Uh, traffic flows at a very steady pace. We're following all this etiquette uh, um, to, to keep this ship going. Uh, and, and that makes sense because New York is, hey, let's face it, New York is pretty inherently dangerous. You know, you, you, there's manholes you could fall off, you could fall into the water, you could fall into the subway, you could get hit by a car, you could fall off a building. I mean, there's lots of hazards in, in New York. And the only way to keep such such a big place going is that if everybody follows the same norms. Now, where do I, where am I going with this? Well, when I arrived in New York and took the A train um, to, to Harlem, uh, I'm not gonna lie, the thought of concealed carry crossed my mind, but that thought was canceled a few minutes later when I thought, you know what, as, as nice as it would be to CCW, that would also be a selfish choice uh, because I realized I'm more likely to hit a stranger, an unintended target with a straight bullet. So, and, and you know, with the, the diversity of New York, the, 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 the pluralistic society that New York is, 
this place kind of has to be liberal to, to run and, and to survive and to keep going. And maybe this place is a, a harbinger of the, the future of America, which uh, is becoming more and more urbanized, more and more diverse and pluralistic. So, so that's where I'm coming from is, are we entering an age of, of liberalism? And let me, let me add something else. The, the church sermon that I listened to when I uh, went to church in New York, uh, the, the, pastor's made, the pastor made a really good point. He said, you know, historically, even though people were not Christian believers, they still held Christianity to be a, a net positive force in our society. But that's not so much true anymore. Now people are viewing Christianity as a suspicious force, a dangerous force, a force that's held back progress and science um, and, and is uh, socially backward. Uh, and has caused a lot of the problems in, in uh, the modern world uh, and perhaps a lot of the wars in the modern world. Um, so you have this perfect storm of uh, economic struggle, urbanization, diversity, and people not viewing old values uh, in high regard anymore. And that's why I'm wondering, are we entering an age of, uh, of liberalism, John? Well, uh, James, I, I think that the only way to defeat President Trump was to create this pandemic around COVID, right? So I believe COVID is real, the virus is real, but I think the response to it was created, okay? And it was created to basically suit uh, a, fault, a need to basically dethrone President Trump, okay? And, and that's not coming that's not coming from a, a, a place of, of admiration for, for President Trump either. I just really think that a lot of the rules relaxed uh, after he uh, stepped down as president, even though the numbers suggested that we shouldn't. For example, California was on a huge uh, a spike when uh, Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom decided to uh, re release uh, uh, the, res uh, the restrictions, uh, loosen the restrictions when it came to COVID, uh, uh, to the pandemic. And people were saying, well, it's because he was threatened to being uh, recalled. So therefore he had to, to loosen it. But it, whatever it is, <clears throat> this pandemic has created, basically shut down so many jobs, shut down so many small businesses and restaurants, okay? that people are forced to take government assistance. They're forced to take slimness checks. They're forced to take unemployment. They're forced to take SBA loans, okay? What does that all tell you? That all tells you that the government is getting bigger and bigger in our lives. So if you wanna call that liberalism where you have a huge government that's supporting everyone, well, it fits the narrative because we have students that are coming out saying, I don't have jobs. Uh, they all, and then the older generations know it's because you're entitled, right? But w whatever it is, we're, we're, we're seeing this transition and it's, it's being pushed along uh, very quickly. Uh, the other day with uh, 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 Joe Biden unleashed, uh, uh, released his uh, America Families Plan. I mean, what is the government doing uh, regulating and incentivizing home 
uh, a, a baby uh, baby care, child care, uh, also uh, community college, right? These are reserve powers for the states, but the federal government is jumping in and taking care of all these things. And then they're giving scholarships to teachers, okay? That are gonna basically uh, push certain agendas along in the public schools, right? And, 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 and basically, well, you've destroyed the nuclear family, okay? And then you re-educate the children uh, to, to what is uh, the truth, okay? Uh, That's the BLM playbook. Time. Exactly, right? The, this Marxist ideology, uh, this has happened over and over. My parents escaped from a country that did this to them. And we're over here and we're, we see it very clearly. And we're like, whoa, wait a minute. This is happening all over again, <laughs> right? It was just a mere 50, 45 years ago that this happened. But America is seemingly choosing this voluntarily because of fear, because of anxiety of the future, of an uncertain future. It's no different than after the Great Depression, we created all these new entitlements of, 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 of uh, uh, the government healthcare and all that. It's, we're going through the same thing. Uh, except in a, in, in, a, in a more populous nation and a more wealthy nation than back then. And yes, so my answer is yes, we are moving towards liberalism and we're moving towards it very, very, very quickly. Yeah. You know, um, looking back at the last several presidential elections, you know, one theme is clear to me, the more compassionate candidate wins. Um, so when you, when you look back, uh, Reagan appeared more compassionate than Carter. Uh, Clinton appeared more compassionate than Bush. Bush, uh, uh, George W. Bush, he appeared more compassionate than Kerry. Obama appeared more compassionate than Romney and McCain. Donald Trump four years ago appeared uh, more compassionate than Hillary Clinton. And now today, Joe Biden appeared more compassionate than Donald Trump. Uh, so it seems that no matter which party you are, the more the candidate that shows more compassion wins. And, and I think that's why the, the left is uh, winning right now is because they are, uh, as, as much as you might agree or disagree with the nitty gritty of their policies, they are showing compassion uh, in the face of COVID. They are showing compassion in the face of uh, problems affecting minorities and, and women and you know the sick and the poor and the homeless and so on. Uh, but in response, the GOP is good at providing statistics. You know, for example, you know, it could say things like, well, the AR-15 is not a leading cause of homicide. Or they could say things like, well, if you look back at the historical record, countries that have adopted socialism have uh, done poorly. Look at the economic numbers. So they're good at citing numbers and statistics, but what we need is to hear from them is a, is a counter narrative that shows why they care and why they continue to care. And, and we're not seeing, I sense that we are not seeing the level of compassion that, uh, and care that we would like to see uh, from the GOP. So for example, you know, rather than say that the AR-15 is not a leading cause of homicide, I'd like to hear the voices of people who have saved the lives of their loved ones because uh, they have a gun at, at their home. 
um, to me, that's a more powerful message than than citing statistics. And and if you go, you know, across the the political platform, you know, I think that's a different approach that the GOP can make. What do you think, Nate? Well, the, uh, what we're seeing is yes, uh, there's a lot of statistics thrown around Republicans, which, as we know as lawyers, are not necessarily going to be a very convincing argument when we're trying to persuade people to one side or the other. But uh, as you noted earlier in this uh, session, uh, who controls all of these different avenues for a way to get ideas across? The left seem, controls the education, and they're trying to get at, uh, even more ironclad control all the way from preschool uh, through law school and beyond. They control the media. They control the entertainment media. They control the social uh social networking uh, sites. They're even getting control over uh, much of the internet. They control just about every avenue in our lives. And they have been uh, actively and systematically shutting down anybody's uh, voice who offers a differing opinion than what is the, uh, I guess, the accepted uh, liberal wisdom of the day. And if there is no way to get your message across, if they shut you down, whether try to and say that, well, you may be a congressman or senator or governor or what have you, or even a president, but we think that we have determined that you're giving misinformation, so we're not going to give you any means to share that uh, to anybody else. If as long as that remains unchanged, the uh, the uh, GOP has no ghost of a chance of uh, coming out of this uh, situation. And if the only uh, voice that is out there, the only information is controlled from one side of the political uh, spectrum, who shuts out each and every opposing viewpoint and just makes it disappear, that's all the people will get. And that's what they're going to be making their decisions based on. Do you... Uh... Do you, do you have any uh, solutions to maybe stop or slow uh, this uh, control of the flow of information that you just uh, talked about? Yeah. And we or, need to or, start, are, or, uh, or are conservatives uh, relegated uh, all the way down to the grassroots level, which, hey, you know, so be it. Yeah, we need to put up a much bigger fight than uh, we have been so far. We, we need to throw a huge fit when our voices are silenced. We need to uh, not only propose, okay, here's another platform that we can use, but we need to fight tooth and nail to make sure that the other services don't block this platform, trying to say that, oh, they're, they are uh, persons non grata who uh, use this and shut down. Heck, even I'm sure you heard that uh, it was revealed that the post office of all places had a weaponized uh, secret group that was set up to monitor uh, Parler and specifically monitor any kind of conservative uh, uh, discussions and gatherings uh, and, to, and treating it as, okay, these guys must be uh, nasty, nefarious uh, terrorists, so we're going to be responding accordingly. And, and less and until this is stopped and shut down, yeah, we really need to put up a lot more fights than we have been. 
Hey, John, James, give me, let me take a, yeah, man, thank you, thank you. I was just going to ask you to take a crack at this question. Look, I, I, uh, James, you and I spoke about compassion a, a long time ago, right? Like, uh, uh, Nate, this was uh, even a little bit before uh, you entered the picture in, our, in both of our lives, Nate. And, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking, huh, that's an interesting theory. The compassionate candidate is the one that wins. So George Bush was the... He was dubbed the, the, he dubbed himself as uh, compassion, uh, conservatism with compassion, right? right. So very specifically. And uh, yeah, and then I, I noticed that President Obama uh, was very, uh, that, that was his, his whole point. And, and same thing with President Trump because Hillary was crooked or whatever, right? Now, <clears throat> I thought about that and I, I think you're absolutely right, okay? And we, we need to change the narrative. But before I go into the solution, okay, I want to talk about how this kind of happened. There's two things that we did wrong, okay? The first thing is we threw our lot in with big business, okay? That was the very first thing that we did. And the next thing that we did was we relied too heavily on the Christian boat, right? I think that was... These two issues alone have thrown uh, the conservative side into a flux. Okay, it's a transition stage that eventually led to progressivism, which is basically the Trump party now, the third party. I, I believe that there's a conservative, there's a liberal, and there's a, a progressive Trump party now. Okay, and when we threw ourselves in uh, with big business, we lost that compassionate uh, faith. And guess what, President Trump even though he's a big business guy, a billionaire, he was somehow able to get the guy, the farmer from Alabama and Kentucky and all those Southern states to vote for him, to, to, to think that they re- that President Trump really represented their ideas, right? yeah, which, which, was, which is funny to me. Which, New is Yorker billion. which is very ironic. And many on the left are very uh, cynical about it uh, because they feel that Trump has mastered the art of uh, winning the the evangelical vote and bas- basically making evangelicals his servants. But go ahead. Uh, uh, yes, no, I, no. You that was my second point right there, was the evangelicals uh, being such a big uh, proportion of the uh, population, uh, basically threw the lot in with a guy who didn't live compassionately. He didn't live a life. That was anything near Jesus' life uh, or, a, or a Christian life, right? Like it was very pompous and not humble and uh, being accused of racism, and, uh, which I don't believe of, uh, uh, is true. But he was accused of it. And he's obviously, uh, has a, he's a womanizer. That's obvious, right? Yes, he's lived and, a life uh, in Texas. He's had to, three marriages. To, to, he's uh, said... He said some uh, crazy things on, on TMZ and uh, um, yeah, the list goes on. And to make him the Messiah figure uh, is ridiculous, right? And, 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 and a lot of people believe this is that he was this, this savior of the United States uh, on, a, on, a, on a messianic level. It, it, it was just delusion, but, okay, but. 
there, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. I, I believe that from that consciousness group that we went to, James, I saw something that I didn't think I would see. I didn't think I would see vegans who are so uh, split up, right? There's a group of vegans that are very anti-vax and then there's a group that are uh, pro-vaccine and it split them up. But what I noticed was that it really didn't fit what you normally think of what liberal would be. Cause you have these, you would think a liberal vegan would be so into liberalism, but no, they weren't. They were so fierce about their civil liberties when it came to not wearing a mask. Okay, not having to take the vaccine. And they were so anti-big business, anti-big pharma, right? Mm -hmm. And it was such a refreshing thing for me because I see the bedrock of the next thing that's going to happen, okay, which I'm kind of excited about, guys. And it's, it's, it seems to me that there's going to be a social libertarian movement coming soon. Mm. Okay. So, so basically, you're, you're saying that the Trump phenomenon has kind of uh, had a ripple effect on, on other groups, which have historically exactly. been liberal, but now other groups are thinking critically amongst themselves. Exactly, James. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I, that's what I, I was soaking up the entire time that I was there. I was just so amazed that this even existed. And, and, and for them to be so passionate and so, so willing to uh, speak up right it was just so refreshing and 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 i think that uh we're gonna have a more diverse uh uh, uh democrat uh, democratic and republican parties hopefully there'll be multi-parties and it would we would get out of the the two-party system or at least have strong influences on both sides yeah yeah you know and um Maybe you know we should end it on on this. You know where where does the church go from here? Because you know Nate, in the last four years, I've definitely sensed, at least in California, that the church has uh, shifted to the left in an effort to distance itself from Donald Trump, who they see as, um, let's face it, you know morally suspect. Um, of course, there are those many evangelicals that uh, support him strongly. Um, but you know, on the left, uh, there are many that think that the evangelicals um, prioritized abortion too much, and it led them to vote for to hold their noses and vote for Trump uh, because of this idea that um, Trump is relatively more pro-life, so they should vote for him anyway. Uh, I know the same discussion was going on in the Catholic Church. Um, it, is it is it time for um, the church to or, or religious groups to kind of uh, kind of bring down uh, uh, abortion and make it one out of many uh, other issues? Um, is the church correct to um, shift to the left a little bit more? Uh, how do, how does the church fit in uh, with all this? Um, and I know John, you've talked about. Uh, uh, Christian Americans maybe should form a, a, a separate political party. Um, so if you want to talk about that again, you can. Uh, guys, I just uh, I wanted to ask you guys where does where does the church and religious groups fit in with all this? 
Yeah, I, I need to make this quick because I, I have to get going here. But uh, I think that if the church wants to have any kind of lasting influence, they have to uh, stand uh, for what the Bible talks about and not compromise the uh, their opinions just because they think that it's going to bring uh, a few other people into the umbrella of the church. I think that uh, a big problem, problem with the church at large today is that they do not distinguish themselves from the political system, from the, uh, the right wing, left wing, whatever uh, wing uh, thought. They, they, they do not show themselves, say, this is what we stand for and everybody else needs to make uh, bring themselves into compliance with what the word of God says versus what, well, we need to make ourselves relevant to uh, this group or that group. Uh, as long as the uh, church uh, just makes itself a, uh, just a, a shadow of the politics at large or shadow of other things that are going on, they're not going to be relevant. They're not going to have any lasting influence. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It needs to be a leader and not a follower. I do think that churches, uh, you know, as they've reopened in California, I get the sense that they simply just picked up where they left off and lost a huge opportunity to preach, you know, basic messages here. Love your enemies, love each other. We're all children of God. Um, and I do feel that the church has missed an opportunity. John, any thoughts? Well, uh, I'll just say really quickly, I think the church uh, can't lose its saltiness. And it has to go back to its roots and, and just stay that way and not be swayed and not be part of the world or seek men's approval. And I think that's the problem that they have. So if they were to create their own third party um, and, and people have to seek their approval, I think that's the winning factor. And then we could see a resurgence of the church. But as long as it's uh, chasing the way of the world and not being holy and you can't distinguish itself from uh, uh a concert or a, or a talk show host or something like that, then it's going to lose every single time because that's not where its power is from. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Well, gentlemen, um, thank you so much. This discussion has been a uh, very helpful to me. I hope it's helpful to the listeners. Um, I, I hope it gets people thinking critically and um, uh, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, you know, uh, talking to you guys, uh, I, I was a little bit, uh, uh, uneasy, you know, uh, today, uh, but uh, talking to you guys uh, is, uh, is giving me joy and it's uh, made me feel better. So, so thank you guys um, and uh, have a great night. Thank, thank you, you for James. having me. And thank you, Big Nate. Talk to you guys. Look, look forward to talking to you guys on, this, on these and other topics again later. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Okay. Good night.